0: I mean, what's he wearing, right? Like I said, he's wearing these staples, okay? He's wearing a button-down shirt, he's wearing a um, a tweed sport coat, but what else does he have? He's wearing an ascot that's flared at the neck. He's wearing these gigantic bug-eye glasses. And (laughs) you know, I mean, those are things that the average guy they would be petrified to wear. And he was doing it with so much charisma. Because he had that natural flair ingrained in him from a young age, from growing up around that type of stuff.
1: Hello, I'm Reg, And I'm Tiff. And we're we're the the fashion fashion geeks. geeks. Trying to make New York. And the world. Well, New York is the world. A little flyer, one outfit. And podcast. At a time. James Baldwin was my mom's hero. She had all of his books. Your mother is your first teacher. And since she liked him, I liked him too. Not only was he a prolific writer of books and magazine articles, he was a playwright too. My mom saw a blues for Mr. Charlie at the Anta Theater, which is now the August Wilson Theater on 52nd Street in 1964. It starred Pat Hingle, Al Freeman Jr., Rip Torn, Diana Sand, and Burgess Meredith. Google them. All lines of stage and screen all gone just like my mom. Many years ago I was at the Virginia Film Festival in Charlottesville for work. I had only been at my job for a few months. We were lobbying and trying to curry favor with the head of the festival. Rip Torn was at a reception that we sponsored and my boss and my co-workers were in awe of seeing them and didn't know what to do with themselves. I walked up to him and reintroduced myself. I went to prep school with the son John. We talked for hours. My boss and co-workers were shocked, flabbergasted, and jealous. Welcome to corporate America. I never got to meet James Baldwin. I wondered what he would make of himself being deemed a fashion icon, much less amongst young, impressionable white men. Yo, this is Reg Ferguson, Fashion Geek number one. How are you? Welcome to the ride, and thank you so much for listening. Please tell your friends about us. Please tell them to subscribe, and please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. A special shout goes to our producer, Search, and everyone down with the Fashion Geeks. If you have a question or a story suggestion, you can email me at podcast at nyfashiongeek.com, or hit me up on the Insta and New York Fashion Geek. Today, we're going to talk with Trevor Jones, who's a writer for Ivy Style, a purveyor of classic menswear with his eBay shop and his consignment killings, and who is in Hamilton, Massachusetts. We're going to talk about a person who's an icon in many categories for the everyday man. But we're going to single him out for menswear. We are going to talk about James Baldwin, Trevor Jones in the building.
0: Reg, what's going on, man?
1: <laughs> how are you, man? Good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Are you keeping safe out there?
0: Yeah, I'm doing my best. You know, just uh, trying to limit limit risk and limit exposure as much as much as possible. So, uh, doing the best I can with that.
1: Sounds good. You are your mother's son. She wants to make sure you're safe. That's right. <laughs> Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know, uh, we had to do some rescheduling and that was my, uh, that was my fault. I had a personal situation a few weeks ago, but we finally, uh, we finally are here together.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, anytime that I can talk uh, and specifically talk about style, you know, I'm happy. I'm just happy to do that. So thanks for having me.
1: No, 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 no. Absolutely. Of course, you know, we met on the gram quite a while ago. Yep. And that's a wonderful lead-in to the reason why you're on. So we met on the Gram, followed each other. I like watching your stuff. I know you're an aspiring school teacher. That's right. And uh, you're in grad school. Yep, last semester. But as everyone, we look at each other's stories. My stories, candidly, to me, serve as a mood board.
0: Mm. I think they do for you as well. Yeah, very much. It's usually for me it's one of two things. It's um it's a mood board, like you said, or if I just got a bunch of new stuff in, it's usually me kinda shamelessly trying to plug my eBay store.
1: <laughs> yeah, you are well first of all
0: <laughs> first
1: of all, you are successful. I've picked bringing <laughs> on the eBay store stuff, which to let you know I've been procrastinating. Mine, as you know, and now for the listeners, is not about menswear it's uh it's about my late mom's and my yep. really my grandmas stuff that i have in my possession now when i had to go through the house so i actually went through a set of china and i've got it priced out and everything but of course i have not taken the photos so maybe after speaking with that's,
0: you, I mean that's that's the killer. It's just like taking the photos, and for I, I don't know what it's like for um, you know for like home goods and furnishings and that type of stuff, but uh, for clothes you got to do the measurements, and that that is just the killer part. It's like ugh, it takes forever to get you know because the thing is you have to you have to mark every single um, like flaw or stain or anything like that because if you don't. The, you know the person on the other end—they're going to get it, and they're going to be like, "What is what is this? I thought this was in perfect condition." There's a tiny little millimeter hole that's you know at the bottom left shoulder seam. Right. Okay, all right, whatever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the lunatic fringe, but I—I'm I, ready. Like I said, I priced them. The photography really isn't going to be difficult at all. Yeah, I, I did a—I did a search. I saved a search on this one particular brand of China. And there are a bunch of sellers out there. My big difference is I only want to do local pickup because I'm terrified.
0: I'm terrified to try to package this China safe. Yeah, 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 totally. Especially this year, too, with, like, you know, the way the the USPS has been in terms of – just kind of being delayed and and items getting lost. And so then you add on top of that, like like you said, yours are, you know, um, valuables. They're fragile. So uh, you got to be real careful with that. Exactly.
1: So, again, looking at your stories, I realized every once in a while that you would highlight Mm African-Americans. And I'm not saying that is that for the reason of it to be surprising, per se, because you live in the world. But as an African-American man, I think what happens sometimes with me is that people who have affected my culture, specifically African-American culture, if you're lucky and if they're lucky, they go into the grander sphere of popular culture. Yep. Which essentially is white culture. Yep. And then individuals like yourself... In a good way, because you're soaking things up at a sponge as a sponge, you lap it up and you're interested and you're fascinated and oftentimes that throws me off, and then I have to take a moment and go, right, these individuals are not just ours they're the world's right. so so tell us why James baldwin is your fashion hero fashion heroes
0: yeah i mean that's a um that's a that's a big question so (laughs) we got some time um, right good (laughs) um so so what i do just kind of for background for people maybe who don't who don't know um on my, I have a, I have a clothing, um, basically an Instagram page dedicated to clothing, and it's it's super um, self interested. It's it's you know ninety percent, basically the the photos I post, not my stories, are ma- mostly just what I'm wearing, and that's why the account is my name Trevor dot W I W T. What I'm wearing today, um, and it's basically again just to show off to people who are interested um, about you know menswear and that type of stuff. But another part of it is. Um, places that I draw inspiration from. And, uh, one thing over the past two or three years that I've, I've really been doing is kind of expanding my sphere to go outside of the maybe more traditional or more expected influences. So kind of my, my style background is that kind of traditional Ivy style trad preppy, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Right. So in that world, there is, there are kind of like a list of almost like accepted icons. So, one of those that immediately comes to mind that people think of is like Steve McQueen. Okay, Steve McQueen. Oh, yeah, he's the king, oh of, my he's the king God. of cool, or whatever. All right. It's so crazy for me. Yeah, exactly. So, everyone, you know, Steve McQueen is like the pinnacle. And then, um, you know, there's guys like Miles Davis. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily a, a, a color thing. It's more of a, you know, you have to kind of be specific to the rules. And and the thing that's funny, you know, people people bring it up a lot, and I think it's a great point, is that, like, for example, Miles Davis, right? He dressed in the Ivy style look, the Ivy League look, for a max, a max of five years. And so <laughs> after that, right, he was doing all sorts of crazy different things. But, Yeah, Yeah, and and that's what people do. They change and they evolve. Um, But the the people who look at Miles Davis as an Ivy League look icon look at him in those five years and in those five years only. Um, And so the thing uh, that I've been trying to do personally is kind of expand who I look at as influences a little bit. And that is not beholden to any demographics like – race or gender. Um, there's a lot of female, uh, female people who I look to as style icons. But what, what I am trying to do is kind of consciously break the barriers a little bit of just looking at Ivy style people. So, I mean, there has to be more people out there than Steve McQueen and John F. Kennedy, right? Like other people <laughs> dress well too. They yes. just dress well in a different way. Um, and so you know as I'm getting older, I'm realizing I don't have to stick to those rigid guidelines. I can you know push the boundaries a little bit um, And for me pushing the boundaries is you know still to the to the normal person like Exceedingly traditional. Like I'm still, I'm still wearing a tie, and that's all they see. And they're like, "Oh wow, you, you know, you're wearing a tie." And I'm like, "Yeah, but check out these like patch pockets and this belted back on my jacket." And they're <laughs> like, "What the hell are you talking about?" So anyway, the point is, I'm trying to um, expand those influences a little bit, so they come from different places. And I think James Baldwin kind of sits at that place where. When he was at the height of his writing fame, it was it coincided with the absolute peak of the popularity of the Ivy style look in the U.S. Um, and abroad, um, because, of course, he lived in Paris for a long yes. while. And. Yeah, the rema- trip- he, when he
1: left, he stayed in Paris for the remainder of his life, essentially.
0: Yeah, yeah. Paris and, and the south of France. Um, right. And so, uh, one of the reasons I, I instantly, as, as my first, one of my first, like, non traditional, non typical Ivy style influences was James Baldwin, was because if you look at his looks, a lot of the foundations are still very traditional. They still fit into that Ivy canon, right? So yes. he has, um, you know, button down colors with a really nice roll he has um, tweed sport coats, he has kind of the the shirling overcoat, but what Baldwin does is he adds personal flair to that in a way that makes it truly personal style. So he is not John F. Kennedy in the sense that uh, okay. is a bad example because he wasn't really Ivy style, but let's, let's, let's say Miles Davis, right? Miles Davis for those five years was Ivy style and Ivy style only. Baldwin was not that because what he did is he took some of those elements and then added his own personal flair to that. And, right. and it's, it's my kind of personal theory that his upbringing, um, during the Harlem Renaissance was a huge influence on, obviously his whole lifestyle, but his, his, his clothing specifically, um, can I go off on a, what, a little yeah, bit of a tangent for a second yeah, but, and yeah, explain certainly. this? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Congrats I was thinking, my mom. yeah, in, in preparation for this, for this podcast the other day, I was thinking about this and you know what I was going to say, and one of the things, um, uh I was thinking about with Baldwin. Now before I before I go into this, I think it's important for me to say I've actually only read a few of Baldwin's books. i I'm by no I know no, you have. Yeah, I know I'm, you I'm have. by no means a Baldwin scholar. Um I know and, you're not. And more of his books are on my list. I have a huge I'm reading blessed. list because when I'm in my grad semesters, I don't really do any personal reading just, you know, to get my work out of the way. Um So as soon as that ends in April or May, I'll be diving into another country, which has been on my list for a while. Uh, But Giovanni's Room, maybe we can get into that later. Sure. Probably my all-time favorite book. I mean, that is just unbelievably well-written. Wow. But anyway, so sorry, sorry. I know I'm all over the place. No, 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 no. no. You're fine. We're talking Um, about Baldwin. Baldwin, (laughs) that's right. So to bring it back to uh, his roots. So he was not a Harlem Renaissance transplant in the way that his parents were. No, his parents were from the South. He was a Harlemite. Exactly. Him and and his sister and his brother. So many of those those people that moved to Harlem either at the dawn of or during the Harlem Renaissance, like you said, were from the South, they were from other places, um, and so... You know, obviously they contributed to that zeitgeist in Harlem at the time, but they, they didn't have the luxury of growing up with it. James Baldwin was born in the middle of it. So when he was growing up, it was, you know, everyday food and drink for him to see um, black excellence, really, in a way that no one else in this country ever had. Um, and so for Baldwin, it was possible to see... A really successful black entrepreneur, a successful black musician, a successful black uh, athlete—all in the same place. And Harlem Renaissance, uh, Harlem during the time of the Harlem Renaissance—I mean, it was a hopping place. You know, it was—it was, it was um, obviously—you know, there was there was poverty, there's poverty everywhere, and and they didn't, you know, they weren't. Um, they weren't excused from problems. Just like any, any other city, there's problems everywhere. But on a really large scale, uh, Harlem during the Harlem Renaissance was just a really happening place. And James Baldwin grew up with this. And it's my theory that that kind of flair and that uh, that kind of... Mm, I, I won't say flamboyance because that kind of has a, a negative connotation, but that, that idea, right, that flamboyance that you can kind of go out on a limb, you can do things, I think that really rubbed off on him. And I think one of the places that it shows up best is in his clothing. Because if, if you look at so many of his looks, I mean, what's he wearing, right? Like I said, he's wearing these staples, okay, he's wearing a button-down shirt, he's wearing a... Um, a tweed sport coat. But what else does he have? He's wearing an ascot that's flared at the neck. He's wearing these gigantic bug eye glasses. And, (laughs) you know, I mean, those are things that the average guy, they would be petrified to wear. And he was doing it with so much charisma because he had that natural flair ingrained in him from a young age, from growing up around that type of stuff. Um, so it's, it's my kind of, my, you know, very non-academic theory that growing up in the Harlem Renaissance, also in the fact that he was openly gay, which is a whole nother can of worms, um, those two things really contributed to the way that he was able to express his personal style.
1: Well, certainly, you know, you talk about influences and obviously being African American in Harlem, which is a cultural mecca and touchstone for all the things that you mentioned earlier, makes absolute sense. I will also make it a little bit more simpler for, for your ears. He put, he put his black on it. Yeah, definitely. That's what we do. And of course, you know, one could argue that's reductive or that's a generalization, but the point is his remix, so to speak, of these traditional styles is inherently
0: African-American. Interesting. Yeah, no no question about that. It's really interesting for me to hear you say that, right? Because I, I mean, I'm white. I live in a predominantly white community. Um, So I, like, that's not my perspective. That's not the way I'm looking at it. Um, But for you, it just jumps out at you. It's obvious because that's, you know, that's your perspective. That's the way you're looking at it. And it makes total sense right. But still, I value your opinion. And that's the
1: reason why you're on. Because like I said, for <laughs> me, I take it for granted. Like I said, when I saw that consistently you were putting James Baldwin in your stories, it grabbed my attention. Mm. Because to be honest, and not that I survey the whole landscape that is Instagram for you know, classic menswear, but I truly believe not to give you a complex, as my <laughs> parents would say, I think you're the only cat who's doing this. So, like I said, it, it clearly grabbed my attention, and that's why I sought you out
0: to come on the pod. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, people people draw influences from a variety of places, and for everyone, that in, uh, an influence will be somewhat different. And for me... James Baldwin is kind of like the perfect, I mean, obviously, you know, I I got turned on to him not because of his style, because of his writing. I was an English major in college and, you know, I'm studying to be an English teacher. Um, And then kind of, you know, learning a little bit about, uh, a little bit more about his personal life. Um, He is like the perfect example of, like you said, he, he puts you know for him it was putting his black on it like that that those are your words but for me it's <laughs> him him putting his his own personal style into in, infusing it into a look and and there is no because there's no one that looks like him no
1: one else no 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 you're right i mean he broke the mold and and you're right you know let's let's say that the foundation was a traditional style aka trad preppy I yep. the three in one and then putting that african-american spin and then putting in addition his unique touch
0: yes yes so
1: so that's a significant triumvirate which caught your eye
0: yep totally because those are two things like you said all right so you know traditional um you know traditional menswear is kind of one big uh category um, sure. amorphous <laughs> right yeah um African American style isn't really a thing, but African American uh, vibes—I guess you could say. I, I don't really know another word for it. That's its own—you know—that's its own whole thing. And then there's the James Baldwin thing, which is only possible for James Baldwin. So, like you said, that there's only one person who's possible—who it's possible for to bring all those things together and that's him
1: the fashion geeks are hosted and
0: powered by blueberry that's blueberry b-l-u-b-r-r-y
1: thinking of launching a podcast want your episodes to be deployed smoothly go to blueberry.com type in the word fashion
0: and get a deal on us just put in the word fashion blueberry always hosts fly and so now let's let's take those two other things okay um, and let's look at Miles Davis. So Miles Davis had the trad and Miles Davis had the black. But what he didn't have what he what he did have later was his own Miles Davis style. But when he was in his Ivy style days, he it was almost a little bit textbook, right? And I'm not saying he didn't look good, he looked amazing, but it was like uh it's it's you know like he's following the the Ivy style rules and so he only had two of those things that he was putting into it, which is why it, I personally think Baldwin looks better is because he's putting his own style onto that. And so then when Miles kind of came into his own uh, in terms of style later on in the sixties and seventies and eighties, um, he looks totally different, uh, and that's because he he put his own style into it. I would disagree on
1: uh, on two points. One, something from earlier, I have to refute quickly. Okay, there there is such a thing as African American style. So your vibe personification or, or or delineation, that's fine. But there is there is something specifically to be claimed as African American style. Getting back to Miles with the comparison to Baldwin, I would disagree respectfully as well because miles so the story behind that look which i'm sure you know because you're from new england is he goes to the newport jazz festival and i can't remember the taylor's name
0: this yeah Char- is, uh, charlie
1: davidson he, he met up with charlie before he went down to newport there you go so so you already know the story but for the listeners let's make it clear for them shall we yeah he was uh he was zooted and suited. Totally. That's how he that's how he came. Like a lot of those guys were. Right. Of the time and of the and of this place, Harlem. Yep. So he comes up to New England, that gentleman stops him in his tracks and goes, That's not gonna work. <laughs> and then and then leads him leads him down this path of ivy preppy trad. Yep. So I would respectfully say that it wasn't as cookie cutter as I think you make it because particularly the cut of his jackets, he was getting all that custom and it was a very shortened jacket. You know, the skirt was very short, right? When you look at the photos, no one was doing that. That was his spin. That was his individuality. That wasn't Charles.
0: That was him. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely an interesting way to to look at it, playing with the details like that. Um, details matter, Troy. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, I've never really him. looked at it that way. Um, Give it yeah. a gander next time. Yeah.
1: I mean, even, you know, the cool two-button, double-breasted. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that that's good, that his. that
0: is an incredible
1: look. <laughs> right, that's him. That's him. There's nothing cookie-cutter there. That's his individual steeze. But I think what we're I think what we're driving at is the African-American style that I aforementioned is not monolithical.
0: Right. And And that's that's what I
1: was trying. Basically, the point I was trying to make. Right. And here are two shining examples. I'm not saying they're polar opposites, but I'm saying they're on a spectrum. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah, totally. So you know with baldwin to me we're talking specifically about ivory preppy trad but we know that ultimately he's just a style icon mm. we're just taking we're just taking one sliver right so why do you think no one has come close to approximating his look ever since
0: yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's, part of it is that, that personal touch that, I mean, there, was ju- there were just so many unique experiences to him that no one else had. Like I mentioned, obviously, growing up uh, in Harlem during the Harlem Renaissance, then, um, you know, being openly gay at a time where that was uh, incredibly dangerous. Um Living abroad in Paris, coming back and helping lead the civil rights movement uh I mean these are experiences that just to, to have one of these experiences would be incredible and he has all of these in a melting pot um mm-hmm. that are all contributing to his persona to his style to his characteristics um so I, I, I think that's a big part of it. Personal background is different for everybody. And for Baldwin, I mean, he, you know, his background is just incredible. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. I, 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 don't, I don't really know that there's much more I could say. Um, he just, you know, we, we've it, it's kind of beating a dead horse. We've talked about it. He just put his own spin on it, and he looks good <laughs> doing it.
1: Right. Right. No, no. The, I mean, you're, you're absolutely correct. In comparison, I want to revisit again with Miles, as I'm sure you know, but again, for the listeners, you know, you talk about personal influence and in your experiences, the stimuli around you. I, mm-hmm. I totally agree because I have often on this podcast talked about mine. I'm a native New Yorker as well. Yeah, I did not grow up in Harlem. I grew up in the West Village. Then I went to live with my grandparents in the Bronx. And now I live in Brooklyn. I lived in three of the five boroughs. and Two more to go. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> what are you talking about, Trevor? <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Brooklyn's home now. I love my place. Okay. I've been in the same place for quite a while now. So I've only lived two places in Brooklyn. This is the second one. And I've been here over 10 years. It's a wrap. Nice. Uh, knock on wood. So, but my point is, I often review my influences, and essentially, I literally went to prep school, so to me, I have a prep perspective. Yeah. There's no question about that, but also being the first generation of hip-hop and living in the Bronx with my grandparents, yeah, particularly the South Bronx, boom, that was my other influence, and I feel still to this day, those two play a role. Maybe no one can see it immediately. right? But- I would like to say, you know, it dictates or it has set it has set a foundation for the choices I make. And yeah. certainly my family, my family influence, which I always mention. Right. Know, my late grandparents and my mom, who were my fashion and style teachers, literally. So you know it's I mean- it's, 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 it's it's where you're from. But Miles Miles grew up middle class, son of a dentist, Saint Louis. Yep. So you know he had his own steeds too, but I can imagine him coming to the jazz festival with the zoot suit, and you know fortunately that gentleman went whoa
0: yeah hang right on a second <laughs> stop, stop, and, stop yeah and right Newport there. at that time that wouldn't have been uh, wouldn't have been too big of a hit uh, Newport at <laughs> no this time still wouldn't have been that big a hit uh, but yeah I mean those two you know. Uh, for you personally, um, growing up kind of, you know, going to prep school and then kind of coming of age in that that formation era, uh, that formative era of hip-hop. I mean, those are just two, yeah, I mean, talk about palpable influences. Um, and I think it's important, like you said, sometimes people might not see it. Sometimes, you know, you're wearing a suit and tie and people are like, so where's the hip-hop in that? It's It's not, you know, like you said, it's not always... What you wear on your sleeve is sometimes it's how you wear it, how you conduct yourself. Um, right. And, and I, that's just as important.
1: Right. No, absolutely correct. What is it about? Because I know you're, uh, you know, you're that OBCD crew. What is it about the collar roll of James Baldwin's shirts that just sets you afire? Okay. <laughs> Sets me No, because you, no, you're into this, Trevor. Let's keep it real. I am. I am. That's into why this. you're on. This is your thing. Don't don't hide. Be proud of who you are. Baldwin no,
0: was. Does, you can it, too, Mr. Jones. It does set me afire. Um, and <laughs> it is, I, I, I just love that way of putting it. Now, before I go into that, I will say, lately, uh, like I said, like you said, like I said, you know, we're always reviewing our influences. Um, I have been getting into some different collar styles. Some of the kind of old school, um, pinned collars, the club collar, the tab collar, um, things that now are considered a little bit of a novelty kind of, kind of getting into those. I think those are pretty cool. So I'm playing around with those a little bit. Anyway, that's unrelated. So, um, in those days, uh, the, 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 shirts were just cut differently. I mean, they, you know, they were, they were cut, uh, bigger. They were cut with longer collars. They were cut with completely unlined collars. Um, and the, the front, uh, placket of buttons was different. There were six buttons instead of, uh, seven buttons, which you see now. And so these, all these little details contribute to make a shirt with totally different personality. I mean, if you look at, go, you know, go to 1955 and go to a department store and buy any Oxford cloth button down off the rack, go to 2021, a department store and buy first of all, try to find one. Um, but by a uh you know by a button down collar shirt off the rack they are going to be totally different. Uh and because it's all these little little details that contribute to make the shirt. Nowadays a lot of what you see is non-iron, which essentially means it's kind of resistant to wrinkles um and it's a little bit more of a firm shape. Um and on the surface that that might seem like a good thing like oh it's it's you know not really wrinkling, I don't really have to iron it kind of easy care that that's what it appears but a lot of times that beefy thick cotton wrinkled shirt the wrinkles that you accrue over the course of the day they tell something about you as a person they they give they give your shirt a little bit of personality they tell where you've been and what you've been up to um and you know i'm not uh a, a lot of people, especially in the trad community, try and put, you know, try and um, conflate clothes with meaning. Oh, you know, if you're wearing a, a, a blue blazer and a and a rep tie and a button-down shirt, it must mean that you you know you're a traditional man who believes in traditional values. No, that's yeah, crazy. I
1: think I, all that, yeah. That's not, that's
0: ridiculous. Um, I, I don't believe in that at all. But I do think you know everyone has their own opinion and in my opinion those shirts those old shirts are just better better made than the new ones
1: sure no i mean that makes that makes sense to me what what other things like i said the collar you know the collar roll yep. i know like i said you know drives you bananas yeah what other aspects of baldwin specific you know, ivory preppy trad elements make you make you excited?
0: Well, the thing is, he blends them into his personal style in such a way that they don't always jump out at you because they serve as the base layer, which I think works Really effectively. So, what you see when you look at James Baldwin is you see his enormous bug eye sunglasses. You see his neckerchief that's flaring out the side of his shirt, and that's what you're supposed to see. That's the way he's designed it so that these traditional, kind of more more uh, traditionally accepted garments, the the garments that are the foundation of the Ivy style look those serve as the base layer so that these items that are designed to give a little bit of flair do their job really well.
1: Mm. So essentially you're saying that the accessories make it happen because he made it happen.
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's not always about the accessories, right? So like sometimes it'll be, uh, there's a, there's a great, um, picture of him wearing, um, a Sherling overcoat. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great picture. You should go look at it. He looks great. Uh, it. I've seen it. I um, just can't remember any
1: more detail. But I'm, I'm, it's a black and white photo. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I, I think I'm, he's. I vaguely, um, I vaguely know the photo you're talking about.
0: Yeah. So I, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> but, but the point is, um, they, those, those items from the Trad Canon, the Ivy Style Canon. Um, They serve as the foundation of his look, which then sets him up to bring his personal items into it to create that personal style. Mm.
1: Well, Trev, I got to tell you, I am really looking forward to seeing more post. Thank you because like I said, I I just was really, was really surprised and I, I wanted to follow the story because I figured there was a story to it. In light of what we're talking
0: about. Yeah.
1: What does the phrase always be fly mean to you?
0: Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) I try. Um, to me, uh, that is your, that hip-hop roots you talked about just shining through right there. Uh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that, you know, as you know, that hip-hop culture is so much about, like, um, there's always, whatever you're doing, always make sure that it's, it's it's just, you know, you've got to make sure if you're going to, if you're going to wear the shoes, shine them. Um, Right. And so that that to me is, is kind of that that same sentiment, you know, always be fly. Like if you're going to if you're going to wear a button down shirt, why not, you know, make it the best one you can um, and then let that set you up to do to do your own thing so that your style speaks to your personality. Yeah, that seems to make sense. It's me and Trevor Jones. Me and Trevor Jones. Yeah, you wouldn't believe the uh, some of the songs the students come up with. I get Mr. Jones by the Counting Crows all the time. Me and Mrs. Jones. I get them all. I had to do it. I yeah, hope no one of course. No, no, that's a good that. one. That, that is a good one, and that's that's one that gets caught in your head really easily too. <laughs> Uh, one thing I, I know uh, We're on a time limit here One thing I did just want to bring up Really quickly because uh, I know that we've Talked about him personally uh, and I think It would be an important person To add uh, just to add To the discussion is Dr. Cornell West um, Oh okay He is like not not from a style uh perspective, just Yeah, from a, from a, he doesn't right? come to my mind. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh he, yeah, he's definitely I mean he's got a uniform, you know, he wears a black suit and the black he,
1: scarf. It's the preacher, it's the preacher's it's the preacher's outfit. Totally. From how
0: he grew up. So um all, I mean, that's his tease. Before. yeah, exactly. And that's what he does and you know, he does it well. Um but he you know, he he talks about Baldwin a lot because he's obviously an incredible academic. Um, And Baldwin's writings are just so rich. And so about uh, almost a year ago to the day now, I actually got the opportunity right before the whole, um, you know, before everything hit the fan. Um, I was in my senior year of undergrad and um, Dr. Cornell West came to the university I was at. Um, which was incredible because you know it's Salve Regina University—it's a small school in Newport, actually. Um, so it's not really like you know we don't really get a lot of like big name speakers like that. So it was kind of weird that he would come there, um, but it was so he's—he's he's someone that I've looked up to as uh, a look up looked up to for a long time. Uh, in 2016, I very much was um uh behind, backing the green ticket for presidency and he was the vice presidential um candidate for that um with Dr. Jill Stein and so basically since then he's been someone that I've I've looked up to as just I mean I mean he's just so intelligent and he's so well spoken Um, and so I got to see him speak live, which was like, I, and and then best, best, best of all, afterwards I went up and I actually got to meet him and I swear to God, my knees were shaking. I was like, you know, (laughs) out of my mind, it was unbelievable. I got to, you know, sit there and talk with the man. Um, but he, he actually brings up Baldwin a lot because he talks about Baldwin bringing in that combination of, 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 of the serious, hardcore intellectual thought, but also being in touch with the people, you know, talking about making it relevant, what's going on. Um, and to bring this back to Baldwin, I think that's, that's something that Baldwin does so well. Um, he reads some of his writings and, and sometimes, uh, you know, he writes, um, almost from a, from too much of an academic perspective. And sometimes he writes from the street perspective, but he's able to blend them in a way that it's his, I know we're talking about a style, but his writing is truly like nothing else. There, there's no one else that writes like him. Um, and, and to bring it back to the clothing, it's it's the same with his clothes. The, he, he wrote in the James Baldwin style and he dressed in the James Baldwin style. I like it we